Hey Chris, I'm Alex, former Miss Kentucky, and I just wanted to give a shout out to your podcast, Live with CDP, um, which is on Audio Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, Radio Public, Breaker Podcast, and LinkedIn. Um, that's incredible. I hope you continue to grow your podcast, and if it's something you enjoy, more power to you, because um, we all need to pursue our passions a little bit more every day. So congratulations to you for your podcast. Uh, stay strong with it, and I hope you have many great episodes in the seasons to come. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to uh, Friday night edition of Live with CDP podcast. I'm looking forward to my uh, guest tonight. This will be her second time on Live with CDP, uh, Amy Lawrence. She is the host of the After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio, uh, Monday to Friday. 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Eastern uh, time. And Amy's a longtime uh, radio vet as well. She was with ESPN as well before CBS Sports Radio. So, And Amy's also a Denver Broncos fan too, so I might uh, ask her a couple questions about the Denver Broncos. But uh, I just want to say thank you to Amy for coming on tonight. Uh, just give me one minute and I'll bring on Amy from CBS Sports Radio after hours and we'll talk a little sports tonight. And uh, the LCS is on tonight. Game one is at 8.07. Boston at Houston. I'm looking forward to that series as well. So uh, just one second, guys, and I'm going to bring on the host of uh, After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio for her second appearance on Live with CDP. Hello, Amy. How you doing? Hey, Chris. How are you? I'm good on this uh, very rainy Friday in Ontario. Oh, <laughs> can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you okay. Can you hear and see me okay? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't need to see you. I can hear you. But yes, got you. <laughs> as long as you can hear me, that's the main thing. <laughs> so yes. anyway, anyways, how was your day? Oh, it's good. It's a Friday trying to catch up after what's been a long week and a couple of phone calls and some errands and taking care of the dog and doing dishes. Life's so glamorous on Friday. <laughs> Yes, I uh, hear you, and uh, I'm off work now for a week so I can get some rest. I know what it's like working midnights and, and, and then trying to do stuff in the, the daytime, too. So I'm just glad it's the weekend and uh, lots of sports on tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday as well. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you enjoy sports in your downtime. I actually tend to take time away from them. I need it. After 20 years in this business, I've realized that if I – consume sports even when I'm not working it it uh, really takes the joy and passion out of it so generally I try to go a sports free Friday and a good portion of Saturday now during the ALCS or the NLCS it's a little harder so I'll check in on this baseball game but I'm not going to sit and watch all three hours I don't even know if I'll make it through the end because it's uh, Friday and I'm usually pretty tired <laughs> Yes, totally understand. For me, sports is my happy place, and I'm I'm back with um, Rogers TV doing camera work, volunteer camera work again, and it's nice to be in a hockey arena again and being a part of a live broadcast, and things are a lot uh, much better here than they were a year ago. Yeah, I think that's the case everywhere, regardless of what country you live in, whether it's the United States or Canada or Australia or Italy or, you know, name any place. I mean, I think we're moving forward and that's great. And I'm so glad that you enjoy sports, whether it's work or, or for fun. That's great. Yeah, like I said, uh, I just try to avoid politics and, and stuff like that as much as I can. Because like I said, for me, um, pets, like cats and dogs and, and sports are my happy place. So uh, I was going to say, uh, 
quick question I wanted to ask you first, uh, and I'm, I'll promise to keep you 40 minutes. I will keep you that. I'm going to ask you, what did you think of the news this morning of uh, the Eagles trading longtime tight end uh, Zach Ertz to uh, the uh, Arizona Cardinals? I still want to call them the Phoenix Cardinals, but Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Actually, interesting. Uh, I do still go sometimes San Diego Chargers, but I <laughs> I haven't called him Phoenix in a long time. Uh, you know, I'm not surprised. I mean, it's a little jarring because he's had such great success with the Eagles and because of the role he played in them winning the Super Bowl a few years ago. But we knew that he was on the trade block. We knew that they were looking uh, possibly for a place to move him. Uh, we knew that he'd lost some of those reps and some of his uh, his stature or, or I guess his uh, – his role, his his featured role in the offense with Dallas Goddard. And so I'm not surprised, but yeah, it's a little jarring just to see the news that he's no longer an Eagle. Yeah, he had a great career in Philadelphia. 579 receptions, second behind Harold Carmichael, uh, 6,267 receiving yards, 38 touchdowns, and then uh, the big fourth down catch in Super Bowl 52 to keep the Eagles' last touchdown drive alive and then that game-winning mm -hmm. touchdown. So uh, to me, Zach Ertz, I hope they retire his number and put him on the Eagles' uh, Hall of Fame when his career is over. And Arizona just got themselves a, a very solid um, uh, tight end with the uh, all the other uh, additions they have on that offense. Yeah, they've got some great weapons. I mean, they've been stockpiling receivers for Kyler Murray over the past several years. So they, the uh, DeAndre Hopkins addition we know has made a huge difference, uh, especially now that they don't have Larry Fitzgerald. I hope we haven't seen the last of him. Uh, but at this point, he's not playing. The, the addition of James Conner has turned out to be great for their run game. He scored in three consecutive weeks. So I think he has five touchdowns in their last three games, and they haven't lost yet. Uh, we know that they've also added pieces uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And so I think uh, for them, this is all new. You know, bringing in Zach Ertz now via trade and A.J. Green earlier, uh, they're starting to look a little more like what we see with the Kansas City Chiefs where there are weapons everywhere. Christian Kirk is, is their number three guy, right? Mm -hmm. And so I love the fact that Kyler Murray has guys he can throw to. I like that they've made some progress on their offensive line. Their defense is fierce, and and it, it stands to reason that whether – and it's really difficult to go either undefeated or winless, whether this is the week they lose their first game or it happens – somewhere else down the road. The fact is they're positioning themselves uh, atop the NFC West to be a Super Bowl contender. I was going to say, and uh, my game of the week, in my opinion, this Sunday, is going to be the Cardinals and Browns. I think that's going to be a high scoring back and forth game like that Chargers, uh, Chargers Browns game on Sunday, which was like an NBA game. <laughs> in the fourth quarter, we'll see. Uh, no Nick Chubb, definitely takes some of well, it, it puts more pressure on Kareem Hunt it puts more pressure on Baker Mayfield that takes I think some of the ball control ability away from the Browns um, the issue that we've seen with the Browns defense is that they're rebuilt you know they have six new starters this year and while they can get after quarterbacks and they can force turnovers they've also at times uh, struggled to stop a, an offense that's got great momentum. So we saw them really get exhausted in the fourth quarter against Justin Herbert and the Chargers. And 
were unable to to slow them down. And that's partly on the offense and a, a bad three and out late. And um, I know there were some calls that people didn't like. But yeah, the defense has got to be able to, I think, even pick up more of more of the responsibility this week because Nick Chubb not being available is a big deal. That's how they establish the run. That's how they maintain control of the ball. And again, he puts uh, he takes a lot of that pressure off of Baker Mayfield. Definitely. Okay. Well, I'm going to get to some questions now for you, Amy, because like you said, I, I promise to keep you exactly 40 minutes and not one second past. And and you're kind enough to give up some of your Friday night to uh, come talk some sports with me. So you're First welcome. Question. Thank you. Uh, the first question I wanted to ask you, we're just going to do a couple of baseball questions and then we'll get back to the NFL. Uh, thoughts on the 21, 2021 Major League Baseball season and the postseason so far? I like the fact that every week we've got these fun storylines that we didn't see developing. So I, I love the way that the AFC is shaping up to be extremely competitive. Uh, and the fact that we didn't realize how vulnerable the Chiefs defense would be. And so here we are. We've got three teams that are four and one in the AFC in Buffalo, Baltimore and, and L.A. And then you've got a bunch of other teams that are three and two or two and three. We know that the AFC North is really competitive. Obviously, the AFC West is. But this week, as we go into week number six, can the Raiders and Broncos bounce back? They've dropped two in a row, and they play each other. We know what the Raiders have been through a very tumultuous week. But I think the door is still open there for the Chiefs in that division, uh, even as the Chargers try to build more of a lead atop the West. And then you think about where the Titans have, have, uh, or where they started and where they've, uh, rallied to at this point. Also, the Pittsburgh Steelers, can they continue to, to buy back some real estate with a couple more wins, including a game at home this weekend? Uh, and, and so there's some really fascinating storylines because as we sit at week six, I wonder about a lot of these teams in the AFC. Will they take another step forward? The Patriots being another one of those, or will they fall further behind? Because as we get toward the midsection of the NFL season, you'll see that the real good teams start to separate. Now it doesn't mean that any team can't beat any other team on any given weekend, but it does mean that those teams will start to pull away a little bit and set themselves apart because of their consistency and their ability to win tough games on the road, but also to go through a difficult schedule, specifically the North and West divisions. And in the NFC, I think we're seeing that happen even more quickly where the best teams are separating themselves. The Dallas Cowboys have got a nice cushion in the NFC East and, of course, a fun, high-profile game against the Patriots in New England this weekend. Funny that it's not getting nearly as much attention as the Patriots' last home game. <laughs> and then you've got the Packers. And I, I know the Bears have also won two games in a row, but if you look at the North, it's clear that the Packers have played better than any other team in that division. Can the Vikings put a full game together? You look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who along with the Cardinals have five wins each, the most in the NFL. Buccaneers are safely through after a short work week and a victory over the Eagles on Thursday. But can the Panthers and the Saints put pressure on them in the South? And then we know about the West with the Cardinals, the Rams. I hate, hate, hate the news about Russell Wilson that he's going on RR. Uh, going to miss his first start since he was a rookie in this league. And what about the Niners? Uh, they've dropped three in a row. They're very competitive. 
but how long, I know they have a bye this week, but how long can they stay afloat? Uh, and, and maybe Jimmy Garoppolo comes back. Can they get themselves pointed forward again? So I could go through every game. I could go through every single uh, division and come up with really juicy storylines, Chris. And so it's a lot of fun that everywhere you look, something's happening in the NFL, which is why I love it. It's why we love it, because there's never a dull moment. It's the best reality show on TV. Absolutely. And I agree with you there. That's the only kind of reality show I like. Um, my next question for you, Amy, uh, which teams have surprised you so far and some NFL teams that aren't quite living up to their expectations from the offseason? Well, the answer to both those questions can be found in the Kansas City Chiefs. And I talked about this on my show last night. Uh, it, as much as Matt LaFleur would like to say that stats are for losers, which I guess that makes me a loser because I love stats. I think they don't tell the whole story, but they paint a very accurate picture when you put a lot of the numbers together. And the Chiefs have a turnover problem. And until they fix this turnover problem, not only are they putting more pressure on a defense that's giving up 33 points per game, so most in the NFL, but they're also making it really difficult on themselves because we know that offense has great explosiveness and quick strike ability, but they have 11 turnovers, 11 turnovers, Chris, six interceptions, not all of them on Patrick Mahomes, but certainly some of them as well as five fumbles. And, and as much as it's maybe not fair, quote unquote, to ask the offense to do so much, this is what the Chiefs are. The defense has always been the weaker half of their team, but the offense has been able to cover up the sins of the defense. When you're giving away the ball at the rate at which they are, where you have as many turnovers as the Jacksonville Jaguars and you're worst in the league, when your turnover differential is second worst only to the Jaguars, you have a problem. And Patrick Mahomes is not only the leader, the face of the franchise, he's a former MVP, he's a former Super Bowl MVP, he's got a historic contract. It's on him to stop the turnover. So that's one big storyline or one big surprise, I should say. And I think that's, a, that's the case everywhere. Uh, you, you ask anyone and no one saw this coming with the Chiefs. So I think that's interesting. Uh, I do like the way the Cowboys defense has responded this year. Uh, there were a lot of questions about whether or not Dan Quinn working with Mike McCarthy could turn it around so quickly. And they certainly have. We were talking about turnovers and turnover differential with the Chiefs. Well, the Cowboys are on the other end of that. They're second best in the NFL in takeaways and in turnover differential. So that's made a huge difference for them. Talk about taking pressure off Dak Prescott and the offense. And yet they also have weapons for days. Their rebuilt offensive line is, is making plenty of room for Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. And then we know CeeDee Lamb and Cedric Wilson and Amari Cooper and their two tight ends that they like to use. They keep defenses off balance because they have so many different ways that they can distribute the football. And certainly to see Dak running around and throwing without any problems, it's great that he's fully recovered from that broken ankle. There are two right there that I think are fun surprises. I am really surprised about the Seahawks. I thought their defense would be better. And, of course, without Russell Wilson, that becomes an uphill climb in the NFC West. I was going to say, we might even see uh, a third Super Bowl between Buffalo and Dallas if, if uh, things go right this year. Go right for whom? For, for Buffalo them? and Dallas. Yeah, with Buffalo's uh, great offense and defense and the way Dallas has been playing so far, it could be a, a third time they play together in the Chris, Super Bowl. 
it's mid-October. Stop it. Stop talking about the Super Bowl in mid-October. <laughs> that okay. is something I cannot do. I know a lot of radio hosts do it, and they and and I guess if you want to put that down on paper, just so you can say I told you so, if it works out, I can't do it. It's mid-October. I mean, two weeks ago, things looked a lot different in the NFL. Again, with with the Seahawks having Russell Wilson and feeling like they could fight back. At that point, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't injured and the Niners offense was in a in better sync. I mean, it's so up and down. It's so up and down. I mean, even the Browns, I, they're at three and two. They're right there in the mix in the AFC North. But did we think the Bengals were going to start out three and two? I mean, that loss to the Packers, brutal as it was with all the mixed field goals at the end. I mean, they could easily be four and one, just like the Ravens. So yeah, I'm not, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I can't do it with a straight face. Talk Super Bowl in mid-October. Still too early. Okay. I guess you, you got a good point there too, because you're right. It can change. It can change week to week or even month to month right now. It changes half to half sometimes. And plus, you're right. Also, you can have guys get injured, key injuries like Tampa Bay could lose Brown or Fournette, or hopefully it never happens. Tom Brady to some injury. So you're right about that with the NFL. It's way too soon um, on that one. Next question I had to ask you, Amy, um, which division in the NFL, I think I probably know what you're going to say, do you believe is the strongest? And are you able to give me a couple of quick thoughts on John Gruden and if the Raiders can overcome this distraction because they have lost two straight games to drop the three and two. And their next game, I think the Eagles are out there in another 10 days uh, to play the Raiders if the Raiders can bounce back from the, all this uh, turmoil and distraction. Uh, okay, so we're backing up and we'll talk about John Gruden first. Okay. Uh, I. I am sad for him that he did this to himself, but he got exactly what he deserved. Even if it was a delayed response, and even if these emails didn't come out until, well, in the case of the email about Damaris Smith with the racist wording, it didn't come out until 10 years later. Um, but two things, if you're going to use language like John Gruden did, well, then I don't think there should be any protection for you. If you are dumb enough to use it in an email that you send off on the information superhighway, well, then you're asking for trouble. You're taking a major risk. And, and I've talked about this with young people that I mentor, young women, but also broadcasters who ask me for advice. I've talked about this on my show and, and this is not excusing John Gruden. These are not mutually exclusive rules to live by, but a general rule of thumb in this day and age of the internet and social media is that you should know anything you put out there becomes available for the world to see. And nothing ever is deleted on the internet and nothing is ever private. You may think you've sent it to someone privately via text or a, de a direct message, Facebook messenger, or via an email, but it only takes one person to turn on you, or in this case, someone who decided to leak these emails to the New York Times. We still don't know who it is. There are strong thoughts out there that it's someone inside the NFL front office who decided that John Gruden needed to pay or that they didn't like John Gruden. I mean, there's a lot of, th of theories and rumors out there, speculation about how these emails got out, but nothing else did. So clearly someone was targeting John Gruden. And the, the, the problem with sending, well, I'm not condoning anything that he said. And again, he deserves this because this is um, this is offensive and it's, it's 
disgusting language that he used. Uh, it's also, there, there's no defense for it. I mean, it, there's no way that, that you need to use those types of phrases and words to get a point across. But also to, to double down, he decided to use it and send it in print to someone else. And, and if you are going to do that, then you have you've created your own mess and you've made your own bed. And now he will have to deal with the fallout from that. The part that sucks so badly is that the Raiders are now left in the lurch and their season is hanging by a thread here. They're hanging on a precipice. And so I appreciate what Mike Mayock said this week. He thinks they have plenty of leadership in the locker room. I know that Derek Carr is the type of emotional, inspirational leader who can rally the troops, but this is jarring. And they have the first openly gay player on their roster. And, and there's no doubt that there are people who are hurt in his locker room. There are people, or the Raiders locker room, there are people who uh, have to figure out now, how do I focus and move forward? And it will take the strong voices of the veterans. It'll take the other coaches. But as I spoke with Ross Tucker on my show last night, he was saying there are a lot of guys who are kind of going to throw in the towel here, recognizing that they're playing for nothing. Um, or he didn't say it quite like that. He said they're playing for a coach who isn't going to be their coach next year. So it, it's temporary. It's an interim situation. Everybody knows that. So does that then take away from how hard some of these Raiders work when they feel like, why should I get invested with this particular coach? when it's not going to last and everything that we do this year essentially can be thrown out at the end of the season. But one thing I would say, Amy, I, I, I maybe not for the national football league, but I've seen it in the NHL and I've seen it in other sports where an interim coach does such a great job. The team gives them a chance to become a permanent head coach as well. Cause to me, I look at it as an, a, an audition uh, to be possibly a, a head coach in the future too. Possibly, possibly. I, I hope that that is the case. They do give him a fair shake, uh, Rich Basaccia. But at the same time, you think about Mark Davis's track record. He hired John Gruden, a guy that he desperately wanted. He made overtures to Gruden for years to try to get him out of the broadcast booth. He hired him for 10 years to the tune of roughly $100 million. This is a guy who likes to make a splash. He just okay. built a brand new stadium in Las Vegas. And he, he wants a leader who can attract attention. He wants fiery. He wants passionate. He wants high profile. So unless he changes here midstream, unless he decides that, yes, Bisaccia is the best way for them to, to, to remain consistent and to be a winning organization, maybe the Raiders now rally. Let's just say for the sake of argument, they make the playoffs. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he allows Bisaccia the opportunity to – interview for the job but davis also wants to make a splash and in the the afc west you've got the chiefs that reside there we know what the chargers are doing that have got a brand new shiny stadium of their own and you know and they they've got a, an incredible young quarterback so i don't know I, I i don't want to say never or no but i also know that mark davis is the kind of guy who wants to make headlines and wants to potentially bring in a big name or someone who will move the needles. And I'm not sure that's Rick Basakia. I think this is a stopgap. Uh, it's a stopgap move, and it's one that they had to make to try to find some stability in the wake of John Gruden. 
Okay, definitely. And uh, as for the division in the NFL right now, I was going to say the NFC West to me is a is the strongest division. I don't know if you. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot that. about that question. Yeah, I got oh, okay. I got started talking about Gruden. I forgot about that question. Uh, I think I might go AFC North at this point. Um, the the fact that the Ravens have played such a difficult schedule and it's been really impressive. I know they lost at the Raiders on Monday night to open up the season, but that was a game that went into overtime. Uh, if I remember correctly, they've beaten the Chiefs at home. I know they went on the road at the Lions, but a road win is a road win. They went to Denver, which is a really difficult place to play. And not only did they put 23 points on the Broncos, but they also held Denver to seven points on their own field. And then coming back again on Monday Night Football. So I guess even if the, the teams themselves aren't that difficult in terms of their records, they've used all of their nine lives to stay atop the AFC North and they still have all of their games against the division opponents. So that's going to be pretty incredible to see how they match up against the Browns and the Bengals and the Steelers, of course. So I think I'm going to go AFC North. The, the Bengals going three and two at this point, even though they haven't played great, the Browns are fierce and uh, they're a tough out for anyone. They're just a tough team in general. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree with the NFC West, but the, the Russell Wilson injury bothers me um and and also we don't know what's happening with the Niners right now they're kind of uh in that that space where I'm worried about them I feel like this is a critical week for them too well a bye week I'm sorry their next game is a critical game for them and what can they do moving forward okay um thank you for answering that question I just got a couple more questions for you Amy I'm trying to keep everything uh right on schedule um the next one I wanted to ask you is Overall assessment of the Denver Broncos and quarterback Teddy Bridgewater so far after five weeks. Uh, I mean, there's been flashes. They've looked good in stretches, uh, but they also started out with a really easy schedule. I mean, nothing in the NFL is easy, so I don't mean to say that these are cream puffs, but they started out with, they didn't start out with the AFC West. I mean, they, they, they started out with the Giants and then the Jaguars and then the Jets. So right now, three teams that have a combined two wins. Uh, and then they play the Ravens and the Steelers. And that game was in Pittsburgh, right? And so now they're getting to the more challenging portion of their schedule. If you consider teams that are um, either likely to make the playoffs or have winning records. And so they haven't had great traction with their offense against the two teams from the AFC North in the last two weeks. Coming up, they've got their first division game against the Raiders. Then they're on the road at Cleveland. So these next two games, and actually it's a short work week because they play on Thursday night football against the Browns, if I remember correctly. I think it's actually a week from yesterday they take on the Browns. So they've got two really difficult games in five days. So this is going to be a major test. Do they get one of those wins or do they end up losing four in a row before they start out against the NFC East? So then they go Washington, Dallas, Philadelphia before they play the Chargers. I mean, it's just, they started out with a softer portion of their schedule and it, it was more like a soft ramp up. And now it's just boom, a gauntlet. And so I do love the fact that Teddy Bridgewater has resurrected his career. Uh, I, I hate the fact that they're missing Jerry Judy. That's obviously tough for them because he was coming off a, a strong rookie season and would have been a great asset. I think it's nice to see what Melvin Gordon has done and Cortland Sutton. And I definitely like their defense. Um, it's just, 
I'm not sure about their offense. It feels like we've been in this space with the offense now for a couple of years. They've tried. They've had a revolving door of quarterbacks since Peyton Manning left. And while I do think Teddy is a great leader and he does have some strong skills, um, I just I don't know that if it, I don't know if they're going to be able to get it together and play some of these better teams in the AFC and be able to put enough points on the board and to be consistent with third down conversions to be consistent, you know, with their numbers in the red zone to the point where they can keep up with the best in the AFC. So we'll see. Again, their three wins are against teams that have a combined two victories of their own. And now they're about to be tested for real. I was going to say, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think in the AFC with it being very competitive, I think you're going to need to win at least 10 games to have a chance at a wild card spot. Well, if you take last year's records and last year's results as a blueprint, and I don't know that this year will be the same, but it certainly does seem like it's starting out competitive. Uh, We had a 10-win Dolphins team that did not make the playoffs last year, and it went down to the wire, and it was extremely tight at the very end. There were all kinds of tiebreakers of ways that it could have gone the final week of the regular season. So yeah, it potentially would even maybe even more, right? Because we've added another week of the regular season, Chris. So now it could be even tighter. Um, and, and again, I don't know about playoff. It's mid-October. No one's officially eliminated. I mean, even in, in the divisions that have the greatest separation, you're still talking about just a couple of games. So in the AFC East, for instance, uh, the Dolphins have lost four in a row, and you know they've got the same record as the Jets. And so, yeah, you look at that and you say that's a pretty steep climb. But the Patriots, who had lost, uh, you know, some pretty tough games, like the game to Miami to open up the season, then of course losing to the Buccaneers at home. I mean, they've lost some tough games, but they're only two games back of the Buffalo Bills. And then you look, you know, bigger picture. There's a lot of teams in the AFC, as we talked about, that are knotted together at three and two and two and three. So. Yeah, I mean, we could say that now, and and I believe that, that these teams will push one another, but maybe even 11 wins because they've added an extra regular season game. I was going to say, um, I know the CFL, they, they normally, not this year because it's a pandemic-shortened season, but they normally do two preseason games and 18 regular season games. I think that's the way to go for the NFL because I'm not a fan of this 17-game on-balance schedule. I think eventually, I hopefully, they'll, they'll go to 18-game regular season schedule. That is the plan. I think ultimately if the owners and the commissioner and his office have their way, they will move to 18 regular season games because preseason games make no money. Regular season games get them more cash. Uh, And so the window is, the window is potentially open. Um, They are in a brand new CBA where there's supposedly labor peace. So it's a little more difficult to make changes, but they changed the playoff system the playoff format and they've added the 17th regular season game and the the way they're allowed to maneuver is within that 20 week type of uh it has to be a 20 week format so that includes preseason games they can't ask teams to do more than 20 weeks on the field outside of playoffs so between preseason and regular season they can't exceed 20 weeks and right now that's where they are Okay, good to know. And I just got uh, two more questions for you, Amy, I wanted to ask you. This one I wanted to talk to you about. I should have asked you first on this. Uh, Thoughts on Tom Brady when he returned to Gillette Stadium and winning against his former team. And now I guess he's beaten all 32 NFL teams along with Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, and I think there's another quarterback that's done that as well. Yeah, I mean, the longer he plays, the more we're going to see him 
set records and and top the history books or even creating categories for him. I mean, that's the beauty of longevity. Uh, he doesn't need to continue playing to be a Hall of Famer, but obviously uh, the longer he plays, especially since he's so consistent, he's so reliable in terms of his health, the more of the records he will own when he retires because we've never seen a quarterback play with such consistency at such a high level at his age. And I don't know that he retires at 45. I mean, I think that's kind of the deal he's made with his wife, and he does have one more year in his contract. But I don't know. I'm not sure what else fills the Tom Brady void uh, when he's done. We'll see. Maybe he makes the foray more into media and social media the way that Peyton and Eli Manning have. Um, but their physical bodies were banged up a little more, and they weren't playing at the high level that Brady is when they finally walked away. Uh, so, I mean, i got to be honest. I was rooting for the Patriots. I wanted them to have that victory. I'm so, so tired of this lame debate about who's more responsible for the Patriots' success over the last 20 years. Bill Belichick or Tom Brady, as if it simply comes down to those two. Bob Kraft's not involved. None of the rest of the front office or the coaches. Josh McDaniels has nothing to do with it. Uh, the, the rest of the Patriots who played for those 20 years, uh, Adam Vinatieri, he has nothing to do with it. I mean, I could go on and on. It's yep. so old and tired and I can't stand it. Um, but I, I was hoping for the Patriots to get that win for a lot of reasons, for the fans, for Belichick just for the organization to kind of feel like they had that statement. And and it, it was a fun game. I mean, Belichick yeah. and the Patriots executed their game plan to near perfection. Mac Jones, as a rookie quarterback, I think played very well, even though he was kind of an afterthought in that game. And so I love the way the Patriots fans handled it. They greeted Brady when he came on the field with the team. They let him know how much they appreciate his legacy and what he meant to the organization and how much uh, they appreciate the fact that he had a huge hand in the banners that are hanging in Gillette Stadium. But as soon as he came on the field to actually take snaps, they booed him royally like they would for any other visiting quarterback. And then when Mac Jones came on the field, what did they do? They let him know, hey, we loved Brady. We'll always love Brady, but you're our guy now. And the the cheers for Mac Jones were even louder than the ones for Brady. So I love the way they handle it. I love the way Mac Jones handled it. I think it's clear that Bill Belichick has found his man moving forward. And I think that as much as it's hard, uh, rookie quarterbacks give us and they take us away. Uh, so it's, it's a roller coaster ride with rookie quarterbacks. The fact is they're in a good spot and they never probably seriously – considered that Mac Jones would fall to them, but he did, and now they're set. I mean, this is a this is a franchise quarterback that they can depend on and that they immensely like already. Definitely, and I, I like him too because he's got a high football IQ and he makes good reads. He doesn't have tunnel vision, and he makes quick decisions, and I just think over time he will become a, a very good, if not a star-type quarterback for the Patriots. Yeah, I think the future and the sky are the limit for Mac Jones. Okay, and before I let you go, because I know there's baseball on tonight, I had to ask you at least this. No, well, one Chris, I haven't even eaten dinner yet, so forget okay. baseball. My stomach's starting to growl. Okay. You do not okay. have to worry about me with baseball because, like I said, it's a Friday, and <laughs> I am not on the schedule, but I haven't eaten dinner yet. <laughs> okay, no problem. Well, you know what? Um I'll let you go, Amy, and maybe next time, if you do come on in the future, uh, we'll talk a little more, maybe Major League Baseball and a little NHL. I, mean, we can, and I promise you I'd give you 40 minutes, so if you yep. want the next five, you can, or if, you're, if you'd like to move on, that's totally up to you. Um, 
just wanted to ask you the just quick question on the um, postseason, I guess. Uh, okay, what did you think of the the calls um, with the Giants and Dodgers? Like, Dodgers are a great team. I just thought it was a terrible way to end a series between two great club, uh, two great clubs with that uh, uh, that uh, call by the umpire. I don't think any series, any game ever comes down to one moment. And so my regret would only be that that's what people are focusing on as opposed to focusing on what was an awesome series between the two best teams in Major League Baseball. I didn't think the call was that egregious. I mean, it's fine. I don't care if people disagree with me. It's a judgment call from a guy who's 60 feet away. You know, I mean, the, the, the guy, it's, it's, he's doing it in the moment. When I look back on the replay, I didn't think it was that bad of a call. But whatever, it's a judgment call. And you would rather have a series not end on a judgment call. By definition, a judgment call cannot be right or wrong. You're putting it on the umpire to use his expertise, his wisdom, his experience to make a call. And that's what he gets paid for. So I, I agree that I, I wish it hadn't ended on an umpire's judgment call. But it sucks that that's what people want to focus on. When this series, barring it being seven games, was everything we could have asked for. We had two shutouts of the of the Giants over the Dodgers, and the Dodgers still ended up surviving. We had some awesome clutch hits. We had two teams going toe-to-toe like they did all season long. In 131 years of their rivalry, they'd never played in a postseason series. We had some chess moves that worked out famously for Dave Roberts and for Gabe Kapler. And we had the opposite, where guys didn't come through in the in the clutch. I mean, it was so tense. It was such a good series. I hate that people are focusing on one moment, one strike, when clearly that's not what decided the series. But that's that's sports, that's sports fans, that's social media. So I thought the series was amazing, and I'm thrilled that we got to see them. Uh, and I wonder, I wonder now turning around, moving forward, the Dodgers have fewer than 48 hours to get to travel to Atlanta to get ready for that series. They've obviously had the Braves number for the last several years. But this Braves team is is riding a great hot streak. They're they're flying high. They've got good confidence, and the Dodgers pitching is is obviously hurting. Uh, you know, Dave Roberts is having to, to kind of duct tape their their pitching together. And speaking of pitching, that's the same way it is now for the Houston Astros. The Red Sox, who are red hot, have a clear advantage when it comes to starting pitching because the Astros have lost Lance McCullers, who's their most experienced, and you know they're having to to piece things together as well. So, yeah, I think the fact that we're down here toward the end, we're mid-October, it's a war of attrition, you're seeing injuries start to pile up and affect these teams, um, it, it's going to be fascinating because any one of these four teams uh, obviously could win the World Series now. And, I mean, you've got teams that have come from all different directions. The Braves were below 500 for two-thirds of the season. The Red Sox – I mean, more than once, it seemed like they were buried and done, but the leadership has brought them back, and Alex Cora plays such a huge role in that. The Dodgers are the champions. They're the bullies in baseball. They've got so many incredible all-stars and MVPs. Though, interestingly enough, it wasn't one of those MVPs that hit the uh, the walk-off against the Cardinals in the wild card. That was such a cool moment. And then, obviously, the break, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Astros, five straight, American League Championship Series. They're so defiant. They feed off the critics and the doubters. So the, the stories themselves are awesome. And now they hit this blank slate where we get to see what happens uh, moving forward. 
Well, it should be well said, Amy. I agree. Um, I was going to say I'm looking forward to both series. I hope both say the ALCS and LCS go uh, the best of seven. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just want to say I'm going to let you go, Amy. I, I really appreciate you uh, coming on uh, live with CDP podcast tonight. And hopefully one day when I get a chance, hopefully I get an opportunity in radio. Maybe I can have you uh, come on in on radio in the future as well. Uh, before I let you go, where can my audience find you on social media again, Amy? Well, we have a Facebook page. I know that you're on Facebook, too. We have a Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence, easy to find. We have our show Twitter, which is where we put up a lot of videos and we put up polls. Uh, I know that you put that one up on your podcast, so that's After Hours CBS. Or if you want to find me personally, I spend a little more time talking about my dog and my 99-year-old grandmother and being generally goofy, uh, but my personal Twitter is A-Law Radio. And so uh, I'm rooting for you. I'm proud of you for what you've done with your podcast. I appreciate the invite, and I have no doubt that you will continue to move forward in this career that you're carving out for yourself chris well thank you so much amy and i've been really lucky to get guests like yourself and john marks on from wip and philly on and uh i just want to say thank you so much and uh hopefully we can have you on again in the third time and maybe uh after the nfl season's over with sounds like fun chris enjoy your podcast and have a great weekend you too enjoy the sports if you do watch some and get something to eat and we'll talk to you soon <laughs> uh thanks a lot amy i really appreciate it Good night, Chris. Good night, Amy. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed my guest uh, tonight, Amy Lawrence, from host of After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. She is on the air from Monday to Friday from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Eastern. And you can catch her on uh, CBS Sports Radio or sports uh, CBS Sports Radio app as well. You can check out uh, her website, which is uh, www odyssey.com slash cbs sports radio hosts after hours with amy lawrence and you can also check her out on twitter at after hours at after hours cbs or at a law radio on twitter as well uh, i really appreciate amy coming on tonight and talking some national football league and also some um a uh, little bit of major league baseball playoffs too i know she's a hockey fan too and is a fan of joe thornton as well uh before i, I show a clip i'm going to show a video clip here guys i always do this on my end of towards the end of my podcast uh, live with cdp podcast the audio version will be downloaded onto google podcast anchor fm apple podcast breaker Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, and LinkedIn. Uh, so I got nine audio platforms. I want to thank everyone watching this live on my YouTube channel, on Facebook live stream, and on my Twitter page at Chris D. Palmy. Really appreciate it. Uh, to me, a podcast is only as good as your guests. And I've been very lucky to have great guests. Like I said, Amy Lawrence and John Marks uh, this week and Karen Britt. So I really appreciate it as well. Uh, let's see, guys. Just before we go, um, I'm, I'm going to show a little clip of Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is one of my favorite all-time Philadelphia Eagles, was drafted by the Eagles in 2013, eight years with the Eagles, helped the Eagles win Super Bowl 52 with that fourth-down catch to keep the winning drive alive and then the winning touchdown. Uh, second all-time in receptions behind Harold Carmichael. Uh, Zach Ertz had 579 receptions, uh, 6,267 receiving yards, and 38 touchdowns. And his last game with an Eagle, okay, it wasn't a win against Tampa Bay. Uh, they lost 
28 to 22 to Brady in the Bucks. But uh, Zach Ertz had a, a touchdown in his last game there. And I wish Zach Ertz all the best with the Arizona Cardinals and with Kylie Murray. I think the Cardinals could be a threat uh, to Dallas and uh, Tampa Bay in the NFC. So we'll see. But anyways, guys, I'm going to put a little clip here of uh, Zach Ertz here and hope you guys enjoy it. The Philadelphia Eagles select Zach Ertz, tight end, Stanford. Tears of joy. The weight of 34 people going before me didn't matter at that point by any means. What might have been his last game in a Philadelphia Eagles uniform last night against the Washington football team. Crazy first off that it possibly is his last game. He actually sat and was the final player to lead the field at Lincoln Financial Field. Just sat on the bench in his uniform and just kind of took in the moment, it seemed like. What was, again, like we said, probably his last game in Philadelphia as a member of the Eagles. He was very emotional on Monday when asked about whether he'll return in 2021 or not.
I think I think this city is the best city to play for. And I couldn't have asked for a better experience. Anyways, guys, that's just a clip of uh, Zach Ertz, uh career highlights with the Eagles. I want to wish Zach Ertz all the best with the uh, Arizona Cardinals. And uh, when Zach Ertz does retire at some point, uh, I'd like to see him in the Eagles Hall of Fame and number 86 retire. Because as far as I'm concerned, he's the greatest tight end in Eagles history. And Super Bowl 52 doesn't happen without his big fourth down clutch catch and uh, winning touchdown in Super Bowl 52. And he also in 2017 set all the records for tight ends with receptions, yards, and touchdowns in a year, and uh, breaking Jason Witten's records. And uh, you'll never see a tight end like that again in Philadelphia. And to me, Zach Erks will always be a forever Philadelphia Eagle. Anyways, guys, again, I hope you enjoyed my podcast tonight with Amy Lawrence. And uh, like I said, I really appreciate her coming on as well. You guys can also follow me on TikTok. I'm there often at Live with CDP. And also, guys, you can check out my life with CDP merchandise. Again, podcast shirts, 15, coffee mugs, 15, and my new podcast hats are 18. Shipping are extra if you're out of Gulf out of the country. And also, guys, let's see. We got some other sports news tonight. Uh, we got Major League Baseball postseason today, ALCS, Boston at Houston, Game 1, starts today at 8.07. The National League Championship Series will be the Atlanta Braves and Dodgers, with the Braves having home field advantage due to winning their division and the Dodgers being a wild card team. Uh, game one will be set for Atlanta this Saturday night with the first pitch at 8.07. I'm predicting uh, the Red Sox and Dodgers to win their uh, leagues and to be a rematch of the 2018 World Series between Boston and the Dodgers. That's my predictions for that. And also, guys, tonight, the Guelph Storm are at home tonight at the Sleeman Center, uh, 7.30 face-off. They're just in the first period now against the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Uh, uh, the game is on Rogers TV 20. Uh, the guys there do a great job. I'm going to be back there in a couple weeks to do camera work again, and you can listen to the Storm game on 1460 CJOY with Larry Malott. So, anyways, guys, uh, the Storm right now are 1-1-1. One, one and one. They're scoring a lot of goals, and they have a rookie goalie, Jacob Oyster, um, in tonight as well. So I'm, I hope the guys at Rogers TV have a great broadcast production, and I'm looking forward to being back uh, with Rogers volunteering as a camera operator on uh, October 29th and the 30th as well. So anyways, guys, uh, my next podcast show, I'm just going to put that here. My next Live with CDP podcast show won't be until Wednesday, October 20th. At 2 o'clock Eastern, our guest is Corrine Bandani. Bandani, if I pronounce that right. She's a morning news anchor from KETK in Tyler, Texas. She was nice enough to come on and talk about her career in broadcasting and media and um, maybe talk a little bit about the what's going on in Texas right now and stuff like that. So that's my next podcast show this Wednesday at two o'clock Eastern. So, and then I have another podcast uh, Thursday at one o'clock. Uh, I will announce that on Wednesday. So 
anyways, guys, like I said, um, sad day for us Eagle fans, not just because we lost to Tampa Bay. is the fact that the heart and soul to me of the Eagles is no longer with us, but they did get a corner, a young cornerback. I can't remember what his name again is and a fifth round pick and the Eagles will get some cap room as well. And I agree with what Merle Reese said on Twitter today. Um, the Bucks are still a well-polished team, Super Bowl champion looking to repeat. The Eagles right now are a work in progress and that's the truth. The coaching staff is all new and you got a lot of young players on this team. And yeah, the Eagles, to me, are a work in progress. Well said by Merle Reese. Uh, Jalen Hurts has only had 10 NFL starts. He's really, to me, is still a rookie. Uh, he's 3-7, and seven, but that's not an indication of his play. It's the fact that he's only had 10 NFL starts. And Devontae Smith has been more than what I thought he would be. He's been great in his first year, but he's still a rookie. Jalen Rager's in his second year. And uh, like I said, uh, and then Quaz Watkins too. I would like to see the Eagles get Quaz Watkins the ball more. Uh, to me, he's the fastest guy in the Eagles and one of the fastest guy in the National Football League. Uh, one player I'm kind of disappointed with, but I really shouldn't say disappointed with, I don't think he's being used properly or getting enough carries is Miles Sanders. They need to get Miles Sanders more involved with this offense, and they also need to get Kenneth Gainwell, uh, their 2021 draft pick, more involved as well. Uh, the Eagles' next game is against the Vegas Raiders in Vegas. Then they go to the Motor City in Detroit to take on the Lions on October 30th. To be honest, there's no reason why the Eagles, even if they're a work in progress, shouldn't win their next two games. To me, they should be four and four after eight games, but we'll see what happens. And then, they, and then after the the Lions game, they're going to take on the LA Chargers and Justin Herbert, uh, who's going to be really tough to beat. So right now, the Eagles just need to look at Vegas getting that role win in Vegas and then going on to Detroit from there. So anyways, guys, like I said, I really appreciate everybody coming on uh, live with CDP podcast tonight. And I love doing this. I really love doing my podcast and I love doing camera work with Rogers TV. I am very uh, appreciative and I realize how lucky I am as well. So, Anyways, guys, like I said, I am going to call this uh, show, but I hope you guys enjoy the Storm game tonight if you're watching that or the Red Sox and the Astros coming on at 8 o'clock and also uh, the National Football League's on this weekend and the National Hockey League as well. The Red Wings uh, lost 7-6 to six in overtime to Tampa last night. Uh, it was an entertaining game. Uh, Detroit blew two three-goal leads, but Tyler Bertuzzi, the Gulf Storm alumni, had four goals, and it was nice to see Sider, the defenseman, get his first NHL point, and same with Lucas Raymond. The Red Wings uh, hope to rebound tomorrow night, 7 o'clock at Little Caesars Arena against the Vancouver Canucks. The game is on Bally, Bally Sports with Ken Daniel and Mickey Redman, or you can listen to it on 97.1 The Ticket with uh, uh, Ken Cow and Paul Woods, who do a great job on the radio as well. So let's go Red Wings, and uh, like I said, hopefully the Eagles can bounce back next Sunday and get that real win against the Vegas Raiders. So anyways, guys, again, uh, thank you to my guest Amy Lawrence for coming on here, and everybody who's watching this live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, thank you so much and anyone who listens to this on audio later, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, uh, Anchor FM, Spotify, Radio Public, etc., LinkedIn. Thank you so much. And uh, I'd love to hear some feedback from everybody on Live with CDP podcast, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and what I could use to improve my podcast as well. So any feedback is most appreciated. Okay, guys? All right. Uh, I'm going to have a great night and a great weekend. And uh, enjoy the uh, 
ALCS, NLCS, and I always have to say this, let's go Red Wings and let's go Birds uh, next week against those Vegas Raiders. Have a good night, everyone. Great weekend, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday, October 20th at 2 p.m. Eastern.